Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Scummy Mummies podcast. Hello and welcome to the Scummy Mummies podcast. It's me, Helen Thorne. And it's me, Ellie Gibson. And today we are joined by Miranda Sawyer. It's me, Miranda Sawyer. Hooray! <laughs> oh, we're so happy to have you, aren't we, Helen? We are so excited. <laughs> it's, it's almost like Ofsted's in. Really? Yes, it is, yes. <laughs> I'm taking notes. She is. She yeah. is. Because yeah. of course been... what this woman knows about po- doesn't know about podcasts I know. Uh, is, is small. Is yeah. that... <laughs> it's very small. Tiny, teeny, tiny. Yeah. yeah. Why do you like podcasts so much? Well, you know, really, to be honest, I've been writing about radio for about 10 years and there was a point where I thought I'm a bit bored of radio now I've reviewed Radio 4 which is you know I write for the Observer so you do a lot of Radio 4 Mm. and you know fantastic institution but once you've reviewed you know, a kind of year's worth. It does carry on, you know. It doesn't mm. really change that much. No, it finishes. And so, Melvin Bragg is actually 480 years old. <laughs> a lot of the things he's talking about, he was there. But if you, think, don't know if you think about the schedule of Radio 4, it just doesn't alter that much. Yeah. So no. I was getting a bit like, oh. And then podcasts came along and I was thinking, oh, this is brilliant. And there awesome. was also great. And they're kind of the Observer audience, do you know mm. what I mean? So they're, you know, amazingly intelligent podcasts from America and all that stuff. And, you, and you us. <laughs> <laughs> and you t- yeah, and also I'm sure you agree with this that um, podcasts generally have got better, haven't they? So they started off, and I don't include you two in this, but um, there's a lot of because it was mostly men. There's a lot of kind of two men podcasts where they just sit around and, and kind of goof about films or something, and yeah. that was fine, but actually not very inclusive. Mm. And it's not like that now. There's yeah. loads of other ones, or even the people that are just doing the two the two men goofing off have possibly listened to other podcasts and realised they should be a bit more welcoming. Yeah, and they've got a lot better. And there's not more ones about murder. That's what I like. Yes, there's a loads murder, of murder. podcast. I was literally listening to a murder podcast as I was coming over. That's how dedicated I am. That's right. Good way to start the day. Yeah, and just swarm yourself up with a bit of murder before hitting the scummy mummies. I yeah, like it. Yeah, relaxing. Cool. Now, apart from being like the godmother of podcasts in mm, a way, mm. the nurturing godmother, you are. You're an author. You're a journalist. You're a 90s music doyen, should we say that? And I went out a lot. <laughs> she did, she did. And I want to say very proudly, you're a South Londoner. Miranda. I am very much so, yes. I have lived... never lived anywhere other than, like, I've lived in Manchester and then I went to university and then I uh, lived in London. And I started off in Clapham Junction, which was a bit, it was before it was Nappy Valley. Uh, so I lived on the very road that is Nappy Valley now, uh, n- now, which is called Northcote Road. And now, if you go there, it's amazing. They've got a really brilliant charity shop. Mm. I'd just like to say <clears throat> Farrah, really good. And so I lived on Northcote Road, and then the flat burned down. <laughs> ah, so rock and roll, Miranda. Yeah, so South London. 
So the entire flat burnt down. So yeah. then we didn't. I, then I went away for a bit, and then came back and thought I'll move to Brixton because that was the place that I liked the best in South London. And also, I worked out that if you live in London and you're a freelancer, you need to have somewhere that's lively during the day because otherwise, you just feel like a complete loser. Yeah. Because you go out and everybody's out, you know, and they're you know you're left with. I don't know. You're just you're you're left with no one really, other than. I don't know, some nannies or something. And you, you feel like nothing's going on. But in Brixton, it's just lively all the time. 24-7. So you yeah. never feel like, they, you know, you're missing out. You just feel like you're Always fine. a yeah. party. And yes. more lively than Clapham, I would argue. Of course, before Clapham was Nappy Valley as it is now, it was literally Nappy Valley. It's where all the posh people of London used to throw their dirty nappies. <laughs> uh, but they excavated it, put in, put in put some in baristas. Mm. And now look at it. So uh, tell us about your family. Uh, okay, so I am married. I have two kids who are now... Oh God, isn't that awful? You know when you have to think? If you're like, oh, I have a few children. They're 10 and 5, but uh, my husband's also got two older kids who are now... Uh, they are older, like early 30s, late 20s, and they're both married. And one of them has a child, so I'm now a step-granny. Oh, amazing! Oh, how's that? Like, it's great. It's possibly the most evil you could be, isn't it? Like not only a, not a stepmother, but a stepgranny. Eat my apple! Yes, yeah, yeah. eat my apple, poisoned apple puree. <laughs> <laughs> so it's great, yeah. That's oh. good. And we all get on, and it's yeah, it's good. And your husband is a comedian. Well, he kind of he started off. Well, he did lots of jobs, and then he became a comedian. He's called Michael Smiley. Kind of during the nineties, I met him. 99, I think. Or oh, we've met before, but we hated each other. Soonish after we got together, he started acting, and now he's an actor, really. Yeah. So uh, it's funny because most people end up hating each other after they get married. You <laughs> know, they? Um, so you had your children sort of relatively, I suppose, it would be considered you can late say it, in life. You can say it really, really late. <laughs> you, were, you were well old, mate. How was that? What are you doing? mature woman I was, I was literally like if I take my kids out in Manchester people mm. assume they're my grandchildren no really yeah, yeah definitely yeah I was late so I had one is that because you put them in one of those wheelie shopping trolleys that you <laughs> send them a buggy <laughs> it's because they go round with a last stick and go oh, yeah. can you just pass that for us love? apples <laughs> yeah, what is that <laughs> um, no so I had my son when I was nearly 39 and my daughter when I was nearly 44 that is old yeah mm. now was that a conscious decision did you want to wait till um, later or was it just how it played? it was kind of negotiation I suppose really because uh, my husband had had two kids before and so they were grown up pretty much not quite grown up but they were on the way you know so they were settled and it's quite a big ask to say you know once they've oh done the bringing up of two yeah. children to go hi I know you love me but anyway let's have kids <laughs> that's it was, right so there's a bit of negotiation around that yeah meaning that you know he didn't want them and I persuaded him yeah. <laughs> But it took me quite a while. Yeah, so then we had our son, and that was fine. And then I think we just thought, oh, we'll have a go. You know, like, yeah. we'll, see, we'll see what happened, assuming that we were far too old. And then I got pregnant. And both times, this is awful, but, you know, it's true. Both times I got pregnant, I told him we both burst into tears and said, what have we done? Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> but it's What's true it's true you know it's just it seems like such a big thing but it's I, I'm glad you said that because that <laughs> happened to me um, when I presented my husband with a stick and he went oh no I haven't done my masters or I haven't done this yeah. I was like okay. it's an instant mortality <laughs> yeah, yeah. check isn't I was it? like Oh, okay, but in the movies, in the rom-coms, we meant to cry and hug and... Well, no. we did cry and hug, but not in that way. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fine now. It's fine. You know, there's a sense, isn't there, with when you become parents. I think especially, actually, 
if you become a parent late, that um, it, you've just walked into another room and that door is shut behind you and you can't yeah. go back. That's it. It's gone. Mm. So, but that's okay. Yeah. So bear in mind, I was nearly 39, so I had a lot of going out. It was a bit of a shock to the system. Yeah. And also he had colic, so it was a nightmare. Some people are naturally uh, paternal or maternal. And me and, and most of my friends weren't, mm. basically. A lot of people I know had their kids late. And it's because that you're not naturally... It wasn't like a priority. You weren't racing there. You weren't going... Yeah, I wasn't saying, I okay, wait. oh my God, I must have a kid by 30. Yeah. It just wasn't even an issue. I really... I've done programmes on teenage parents. I've done... Mm. It does not matter when you have a kid. Mm. You know, people say to you, oh, it's best to have it when 24 or, you know, 34 or whatever. And all these kind of things, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's the kids. You know, yeah, you've yeah. got a kid, lucky you. And you will deal with it. And whatever happens, yeah. it'll be all right. Yeah. You yeah, have a child, yeah. it's fine. With you, you know, it's obviously hard if you're 16. Mm. And it's obviously, there's different difficulties when you're 43. Yeah. But it's still, you know, you've got you've baby, still got lucky you. Yeah. I was talking to a friend once who was knocking on 30 and I was about 35. And so I just had my yeah. first child. And um, I said, you know, do you think you're going to... And he was like, oh, you know, yeah. And they were living in Manhattan and they had mm. this lovely life. And I said, well, you know, wait a few years. Like, don't don't be in a rush. And he went, oh, my God, you're the first person who's ever said that to me. I won't do the accent. Uh, <laughs> I, I said, really? And he said, yeah, most people are like, oh, you've got to have a kid. It's the most amazing thing and it will just change your life and it's amazing. And I said, well, yeah, all of that's true, but... Also, like, going to a restaurant without anyone throwing food at you is quite nice. And, like, being able to have a party or, yeah. you know, having your own life or travel the world is also really nice. And you, the reality is you cannot do those things as easily or as enjoyably all the time. And also, I think there's a, there is an assumption a little bit uh, amongst a certain type of parent that, um, that that's the best way to contribute to the world to have children. And I don't necessarily agree with that, mm. really. You know, I mean, mm. I love my kids, but I don't expect them to be... <laughs> anything fantastic you know mm. and I don't believe that I've donated anything wonderful to the world by having children other than you know maybe they'll end up paying somebody's pension eventually but you know th- that doesn't matter I've got loads of female friends who don't have kids mm. who have great lives and contribute loads I've got loads of gay friends who you know I mean it's just stupid to say that if you don't have a kid you're not doing something great yeah mm. you know exactly. it's that kind of annoys me so anyway shall we get rid of our kids uh, yeah, I think that's a great idea. You might have a kid school. who ends up doing a murder. Yeah. Murder, I think, is a common theme with this yeah, podcast. You'd have a great podcast, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is true. It would be that. My son, the murderer. Yeah. yeah, Everyone should have a child so we can have another serial. That's, <laughs> that's what we're saying. Who's going to be the lucky one? It's a Russian roulette, oh, isn't it? Oh, exciting. Make it yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now that we've ended on murder with yes. our motherhood chat, should we move on to career chat? <laughs> yes! <laughs> That's a lovely segue. Isn't it? Yeah. I know that, that's Once my again, speciality is the like segue. Jane Garvey is in the room. <laughs> I know. Now, you've written for loads of publications, including mm. The Guardian, Vogue, GQ, and most excitingly, surely your career highlight, Miranda, Smash Hits! Yes, that was my Smash first ever hits. job. Imagine oh, that. Imagine oh. that. That's so oh, that was great. my favourite magazine in the world for a long, a long, long time. Me too. Me I'll too. be honest, it was mainly because it had the printed song lyrics in it. Yep. I did like very valuable. You could make up dances yep. to literally interpret the song yeah it was, was quite good. right it was a really brilliant magazine and it was a really brilliant place to work i cannot deny it so i went to university and i studied law and i was really miserable and i didn't want to be a lawyer understandably it was mm. the mid 80s and everyone wanted to make loads of money and they were all awful and uh i didn't want to do that so i was going to go traveling and then i went on the train to see my mum in manchester and i bought a copy of the guardian which obviously i never did normally and they had a media section and in there was my job it just went you know pop writer smash hits and i was like oh 
That's all I've ever wanted to do. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> I know, really small. I think I've still got it somewhere. So I wrote them a letter in the style of Smash Hits. And I wrote it out longhand because that's how old I am. And then somebody I knew had an Amstrad. <gasps> and I. <laughs> 464. I, I diligently typed oh. it out. And sent it in. And what makes me laugh now is now I know what the Smash Hits office is like. I can't believe anybody even opened it. <laughs> it was like, it was like, like, I can't believe anyone read it. Yeah. And or pass it on to the editor or anything. Yeah. Anyway, I was then a cleaner in London and uh, I got a phone call and uh, they wanted me to come in. And I went in and had an interview. I can still remember what I wore and everything. That's how important it was to me. And I went and had the interview with Barry McElhenney. And he said to me, he showed, first of all, he showed me loads of magazines, none of which I read. I don't know smash it. I said, I don't know, I only read smash it. And he said, Elton John's number one should be put him on the cover. And I said, no way, you should put Brother Beyond on the cover. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> and, uh, and he just had. Yeah. So, so and you were like because in 20 years Elton John's going to be nowhere Brother <laughs> Beyond yeah. are the future of music Beyond yeah. should be there and he just put them on the cover so I think he thought okay well she's like, she a, re- she's like yeah. a reader mm. and so then I came in for two days and I remember I arrived at nine o'clock bang on and no one was there <laughs> hello hello Excellent. no one yeah. I had to sit outside on you the there step. with your satchel and, and it was on Carnaby Street Just there was a shop called Boy and I just sat on the step until somebody turned up which was like 10 10 30 <laughs> <laughs> and then I got in and sat down and I was really shy and nervous and um, the uh, kind of one of the editors Richard Lowe came over to me and gave me two weeks worth of uh, tabloids and said rip out all the pop stories so I did and then he divided them into two bits and said okay write those up for mutterings which is the kind of gossip at the back and so I did. I sat down and did, diligently did it longhand. And then they put me in front of an electric type. This is how old I am. Wow. An electric typewriter to write it up. And I didn't know how to switch it on. Nailed <laughs> so it. Yeah. So I got someone to help me switch it on. And then I typed it up. And the thing, you know, I, I'd never done any journalism or anything. And I did it. And in, in those days, it was way, it was before kind of, you know, desktop publishing. So what happened was that you had your piece of paper. It got sent off somewhere. And it came back in the mutterings font and laid out like that and then they literally got a scalpel and they cut it out oh amazing and they stuck it down with print stick on a things with an illustrated like that and then someone took a photograph of it and that was the page wow, wow. I know <sighs> but the interesting there's no photoshop of course no so some people I remember once somebody was really really stoned and their eyes were really pink like really really pink and the only way to make the eyes any better was literally tip <laughs> That's so fantastic. Oh, I know. That's it's so old Oh. Was it was it someone from Two Unlimited? It wasn't no. Oh, uh, because no. I, I interviewed someone about Games Master about a TV show and they turned yeah. up to do Games Master and they're like, Can get you tea or coffee? And they're like, Weed, we want some weed. Yeah, I've like, interviewed like, them. They were yeah. really, were they really high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't them. <laughs> <laughs> so was it was it quite rock and roll smash hits then? It was a height of Smash It's Power, so it was selling about 800,000 copies every two weeks. And pop was really big, so it's Kylie, Jason, Bross, <gasps> where, 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 you know, that kind of era. And also CDs were around, so the record companies were really flash. And so they would send you off on... You know, I got sent to Brazil to interview Sidney Youngblood. <laughs> <laughs> you may not remember I, him. I, I, I haven't heard that for a very long okay. time. But he, yeah. well, he said... Oh yeah, a lot <laughs> on, on his on his records, and I was there for about a week, and I interviewed him in Heathrow before we actually got on the wow. plane. Wow, wow! And then we had seven days in Brazil. 
Now, Helen is, is quite a big Kylie and Jason fan. Huge <laughs> Kylie. Did you meet them? Okay, so I've never interviewed Kylie. I'm mm. really sorry about that. But she is a really, she's notoriously really, really hard interview. Mm. She's amazing in photographs. I've seen her photographed, so she, every shot she'd have a different look. She's just amazing at photographs. Yeah. She's a great pop star. She's a kind of, I mean, on one level, I suppose she's an amazing interview because she never gives anything away. But for, as an interviewer, it's quite difficult. Jason Donovan I interviewed and he was fine and funny and it was in Pete Waterman's house and there was a big tree going all the way through the house. That's what I remember. And Bross I did interview. <gasps> it was, I did, okay, so I did all of them, including um, what we called, Ken, who we called Ken. Um, and <laughs> so I did all of them. Mm. So they are, they were really, the two brothers were extraordinary looking. I mean, really, they were really tall and they were really beautiful and their eyes were like lasers. But they were also... I mean, I don't think I realised this because I was only young, but they were kind, They were very obviously being ripped off. If I'd been older, I mm. think I would have known. And I remember reading Luke Goss's autobiography. Mm. And in the autobiography, he said he wished he'd known the difference between net and gross. So the, their manager was getting 20% of their gross income. Yeah. And uh, they weren't the brightest buttons. And they were a bit lonely. Mm. I remember going to Subterranea that was in those years, in those years when you did go to Subterranea in Notting Hill, and... Uh, I was with a few writers from Smash Hits and Matt Goss turned up with his bodyguards and he didn't have any friends so he came and hung out with us and that was quite, I thought, God, that's quite sad really. I mean, it not is, that we didn't like him but yeah. it's quite weird to be... At the height of the fame. Yeah, to be hanging out with pop journalists when, you know, you'd think he would have loads of mates but he yeah. didn't really. Mm. Oh. Poor old Bross. Poor old Bross. Oh, they're <laughs> There should be a new charity like Help for Heroes, yeah. Help for Bros. I think they're fine because Matt, I think Matt's got a residency in Las Vegas. Oh, oh. that's the dream, Helen. Yeah, that's, that's what we're wanting dream. in yeah. our gold catsuits one day. All we want. Without, without ironing board. So what, what do you think of um, pop music today? Like, there's quite a lot of talk about how, you know, in the 80s and possibly in the early 90s, it was all quite arty. Like, it was all like Boy George and it was all... It felt like more of an art form, whereas today it is just... It's David Guetta, isn't it? Doing his computers. Yeah, I think... I think pop music is fine, actually. I think there's loads of characters in pop music that you could do an amazing interviews with. It's just that pop journalism isn't what it used to be. So we don't have Saturday morning programmes where people can take the mickey out of them. We've just got boring cooking and football programmes. And we don't have a really lively pop press... So I kind of think there's like there's loads of characters in grime. I think are really funny that you could do really brilliant interviews with, but mm. nobody really does because everybody just treats them very very seriously. You know, yeah. you could do. And I kind of think you know if you have the right journalists interviewing people like Rihanna or Taylor Swift or Beyonce or anyone like that, it would just be amazing. It's mm. just that everything is so controlled now, and it really is controlled when it comes to some places people like Taylor Swift. That there's nowhere. There's nowhere that's strong enough or established enough to bring a different side out of them. And the thing is that I think that a lot of the PRs around these people think that all journalists want to stitch these people up. And actually, they don't. They want to make them better than they are. Yeah. I mm. want them to be funny and brilliant and out there and yeah. mad. Yeah, yeah. And like something that came from a spaceship. That's mm. what we want. And instead, we just have to accept that, hey, Taylor Swift is really just a normal girl. Mm. And like, I don't care. I don't, want ca- I don't want to know she's a normal girl. That's just yeah. not interesting. What's interesting about her? What's interesting about her? She's completely dominating everything. That's what's interesting yeah. about her. Make her mad. Yeah. And that's... Speaking of Santa. which, um, how, how's, how's Grace Jones? Grace Jones great. I've still got her phone number. Oh, in my phone, man. And a girl. Yeah, I changed it to Grace, I think. <laughs> <laughs>
I interviewed Grace because she had an album out. Anyway, so it was in a lovely wine bar in Notting Hill, Julie's mm-hmm. Wine Bar, which is a, a place with lots of different rooms. It's all sparkly, it's like fairy lighty. And Grace was hours late. It was a Monday night. She was like three hours late. And by the time she turned up, there was hardly anyone left anyway. And me and her manager had a lovely meal. And then we went into another room where she proceeded to basically drink red wine and uh, order oysters and smoke. (laughs) She kept throwing herself around and waving her ankles at me and (laughs) insisting that I put my hand around her ankle to see how skinny she was. And I could do that. (laughs) Anyway, she was hilarious. And she kept going, it's a full moon. I'm feeling horny. Which I just thought, fine. And then it came to the end of the meal and it was now like one o'clock in the morning and the waiters were really hacked off. And she paid for the meal in cash, which no pop star ever does. And she paid for it in cash and she ordered two Sambuca and her <laughs> her manager wandered off and she said, Father, Son and Holy Ghost and biffed it. And I biffed mine. And then she snogged me. She's oh, <gasps> so exciting. She shoved her tongue down my neck. How oh, I liked it. Well, of course I did. It's bloody Grace Jones. Yeah. But like, also, I couldn't stop laughing because I was pissed and it was Grace Jones. Brilliant. <laughs> and it's just me. You know, you know oh. what are you doing? And then she was going, um, and she grabbed my tit as well. Oh, hang on. I know. She grabbed my tit and she stroked my face and she said, come back to my hotel room. And I thought, my mum's at home babysitting myself. <laughs> <laughs> feel a bit guilty and and then she, she made me take her phone number and she said file it under grrr. <laughs> amazing <laughs> isn't that amazing and then she left and she ran down the street in this kind of Izzy Miyaki please please thing you know she, with her arms out and she was just brilliant and then then I went home and woke my mum up to say yes. mum 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 Grace Jones has stopped me and then Did, what did your husband say I was thrilled. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was thrilled. <laughs> and then the next day, I expected a phone call from the management saying, can you not put that in? But because she's so cool, they were like, fine. Yeah. Nobody called me about anything. It's no. fine. Oh. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. She's did, you ever meet, did you ever meet Madonna? Yeah, I interviewed Madonna. How's, how's she? She was really nice. Oh. Weird, huh? She was pregnant with Rocco. She, so she was in her dark, slightly dark hair, slightly hippie face. Yeah. yeah. She looked really beautiful. She drank a glass of red wine and ate crisps. And she was a bit late. That was okay. And... Uh, she was funny she had that weird accent when she's between 
English and American. Oh, yeah. yeah. But when she, she was, went out shooting, yeah, when she yeah. was all established. She was really, really, so she yeah. was massively in love with Guy at the time. She was really all right. With her, I interviewed her, and it was for The Face, and she did one other interview, which was a Rolling Stone, and Rolling Stone never sell their interviews on, and The Face sold theirs on. And I got about three grand, and I bought a car. So thank you, Madonna. <gasps> Wow, Madonna bought you a Honda Civic. <laughs> How lovely. Oh, well, do you think that's enough for career, career chat? chat? Yes. yes. Oh, yeah, loads. What have we got now, Thorne? We've got book chat, Ellie. Book, book chat. Book chat. Let me get the book out. This is what I like to do. Oh, so many words. So many words. Look at all those Look words. Look at all I those words. And it. I've highlighted it. I love, I loved this book. Oh, Should, good. You, you introduce it since okay. it's your baby. Yeah. It is my baby. So what's it, what's it? We haven't actually said what it's called. No, what's it called? It's called Out of Time. Right. <laughs> it's, it's a about, it's a midlife book. It was kicked off because I suddenly realised that I had less time left than I'd already lived. And and also I was feeling slightly caged by my baby, my best, my second child, because I had her so late. And I was thinking, OK, if I calculate how long it takes me to get you through school and maybe into university, I will be in my 60s. Mm-hmm. And then oh, I was going to an o- o- OAP home and, oh, and all these things I should have done with my life and what, you know, that. It's a, a massive panic. It's like midlife panic. And so that kicked off a kind of, I suppose, an investigation into that, what that means. Because all the midlife... I hesitate to call it midlife crisis because you kind of think a midlife crisis is you just leave your family and run off with somebody right. or, you know, that kind of thing. Fuck and I had a really... and buy a car. Exactly. And I had a really minor midlife crisis where I didn't run off with the Polish builder and I didn't go to Thailand to find myself. I just panicked like mad mm. and then said to Smiley would it be okay if I kind of you know went off and and discovered you know maybe I could go walking across the country and discover people that will kind of bring me in touch with my authenticity and he said yeah sure just take the kids and I was like okay well that's not gonna happen is it so I better have my midlife crisis in a different way so so I kind of thought about all the things that were really agitating me and I also thought about what it meant to if you're my age, you probably had a good part of your youth in the 90s. And in the 90s, that was quite a, a particular time for youth culture. And what does that mean when you're older? Because I think that midlife crisis is a kind of general existential angst. Something particular happened to me because I'm me, you know. So, so everyone has a different personal crisis, don't they? Because yeah. you interviewed lots of people. Yeah, and I spoke to lots of people and I did a lot of research. But the books that are out there at the moment are mostly... They are mostly men. And also women's midlife crisis has changed so if you read the the midlife crisis books that are around like the early 80s they literally assume that you've got married at 20 that you've brought the kids up and you have your midlife crisis because the kids have left home and now what and you didn't work mm. and there's a massive you know they tentatively suggest you might want to get a job it's different now isn't it as well because yeah. you know most most women work mm. so they have and to a certain level they have a similar crisis to men is slightly different I think but they can have a similar crisis to men because what happens in your 40s is you think oh it happens to quite a lot of people you think oh my god I did it all wrong yeah <laughs> I've done it wrong I should have done this which I could have done in my 20s or my 30s and now I'm stuck in this job and I'm hitting 50 in a few years time and oh what the fuck yeah and that happens to everyone men or women because it, there is a massive drop-off when you hit 50 people you, if you have a proper job and I mean a job that you go to work at if you hit 50 and you're not in a particular position, it's very, very likely that you'll be made redundant. I mean, it's quite... It's brutal. It's really brutal. So, I mean, do, do you think that writing the book helped you work through it? Like, yeah, definitely. Now? <laughs> I feel all right now. So I started, I started, when I started the book, 
um, somebody gave me something to read and it was a, like a metaphor but it resonated very strongly with it and it was like imagine if you're playing a chess game and you're playing a chess game and in my head I'm a bit drunk playing this chess game and I'm playing it but I'm playing it brilliantly because I'm not really concentrating and it's a party and I'll just play and then I go away maybe to the toilet or something I come back and I look at the board and I think oh I've played it a bit badly you know I seem to have lost like, loads of really vital pieces so I say to whoever it is that I'm playing can we start again and they go no this is the game. And I, th- and I remember reading that before and thinking, oh my God, that's exactly it. I've got rid of all, you know, all these chances that I had that I just cast aside, mm. that I didn't think about. And now I'm facing the rest of my life with this really diminished yeah. kind of You've got armory. a castle and a rook. I've, and, got, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've got like, you know, one, bush, one bishop and one knight and yeah. a queen and three pawns. And yeah. like, you know, that's it. And yeah. that's how you have to go the rest of your life. But by the end of the book, I kind of think, well, yeah, that is it get on with it it's fine it's okay that's the deal but there's a there's loads of research basically there's a massive load of research that uh that the most people have a dip in their 40s and they even in the um (laughs) researched amongst chimps and they thought it was possibly um to do with money and stuff like that it's not it's kind of an inbuilt problem that you're happiest most humans if you get to live a long life which you know we all hope you're happy when you're young and you're happy when you're old and you're really down in your 40s <laughs> but it's, it is it is the time where you will have a mortgage you, mm. you are locked in you have children yeah there isn't you know you don't have the freedom of yeah you're 20s or like you there it is a time. you feel a little bit like you're revving on the spot and nothing happens so you're losing loads and loads and loads, yeah. and loads and loads of energy just to stand still and it's really tiring and your parents yeah. may be dying or they may be unwell or losing their marbles in whatever way and you may, most people have older children than i do at that age but you know you've got kids and as they get older you know bigger children bigger problems you know and it's, and you've got a marriage or a relationship that you may have been in for quite a long time mm-hmm. that might be feeling a bit stale the, those things sound it's really funny I think if you're not in middle age those things sound kind of hilarious like oh mm. that's really funny yeah. but actually if you're in it midlife crisis isn't a joke it's really awful yeah. you know it's genuinely like you think the only way of solving this is to run away and that's doesn't solve it obviously it doesn't but, it's, but a it, lot of people that's how they feel yeah. yeah but it's the stuff that you think you want to run towards like when you're in you know your 30s or 20s it's like oh well that's eventually what we're going to get to like mm. I want the house or I want the kids or that's that's sort of what you feel like you're working towards and then when you're in it it feels really restrictive and you you feel like oh I wanted that freedom and that and also it doesn't feel stable as stable as you think I think this, no, I think genuinely be, yeah. in life you think if I just do this or this or whatever it is I'll come to a point where everything's all right mm-hmm. <laughs> where the kids are okay i'm okay my partner's okay the house is okay the money is okay i'm successful in my career and i can kind of sit back and that just i think genuinely that doesn't happen mm. and we kid ourselves that all adults know what they're doing no because you're still you the don't. same person no. when you get yeah. to 40 and you go but i still feel 20 or yeah. i still feel like i don't know what i'm doing on a daily basis as a parent i go fuck yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. I like this, but I don't like this. And, and you're, you're just a bag of contradictions. Yeah. And it's about managing, managing that yeah, so you don't go insane or, or, or fuck a personal trainer. So, yes, you know. so I'd really recommend don't do that. Don't, <laughs> don't do that. Because really. that's one of the things you mentioned in your book, isn't it? That you, yeah. you, you said you had a friend who was a personal yeah, trainer. Yeah, basically, yeah. And he was, he's young and he's very good looking and he's obviously built and he's 25. And he said he had to stop pers- stop being a personal trainer for middle-aged women because so many of them tried to jump his bones. Wow. 
<laughs> that, people stop. may be listening going that is my new career choice I'm, yeah, I want to I know. But really, of, if you're there's a lot of hot 25 year old men listening to this podcast so yeah. I, bet you, I bet you you're welcome 25 year old men who are listening to this podcast <laughs> yeah. but um, I, I, what I liked about the book is that you there's can we just bear in so, mind that you you read the book on while you're on morphine yeah I should I, I should actually <laughs> say, say that is, is on drugs now Helen. I am on a lot of drugs right now I, I, three days ago I had an emergency appendectomy so I'm I am literally high as a kite which I quite liked when I read your book it was, it was quite dreamlike state it was like I'd gone you to you loved ash- the chapter about the pink elephant spotting rainbows didn't you you thought that was brilliant that took me ages yeah. oh that's right no I that's, it was it was like a dreamlike state that like I was looking into my future I'm I I know you you'll be surprised but I'm 37 so it was sort of like going into yeah, my coming future. in yeah and I and it's alright you don't we won't hit it till 43 you that's right but what would you what advice would you give I mean you've got you've, you've, you feel like you're at the other end of it yeah I do I mean I think genuinely there's an I think that we all have dreams you know this idea that we should all work towards our dreams and I think that's fine we all have dreams we're really bad at achieving them because they're unrealistic <laughs> you know yeah. it's like you know we all have magical thinking and I see it all the time I see it in my kids uh, I see it in other parents I see it in myself so somewhere in my head I think I will I will become rich enough to build, well, A, to live in a house rather than a flat, and B, to have one of those glass boxes on the back of my house where I'll, you know, like beautiful kitchens. Like Nigel Slater, I want a Nigel Slater. Everything just in jars, all jars everywhere. Exactly. So in my head, I think that this will happen, right? Mm. But actually, if you look at my circumstances... This will not happen. It won't happen because I live in London and housing's really expensive. And also, and very importantly, I'm too old to get a mortgage that's long enough. They won't give me a mortgage for that. And I'm freelance. So stop dreaming that. It's mm. a load of old rubbish. <laughs> because you're actually not doing yourself any good. If you think, okay, this is, what's like, what, this is what my life is going to be like, then you're just going to be constantly disappointed. Mm. And you're, act- it's, you're making a decision to be actively unhappy in your life. That's just mad. Yeah. And that's what I kind of came to the conclusion with. And I also I do, you know, really basic things like, you know, doing a bit of exercise does help. But mm. then another factor is don't go mad. But those things sound, what I suppose I want to take seriously, those things sound really petty and stupid things to be upset about. But actually, they can really upset you. Mm. They can really upset you because you fit, you look and you see all the young people doing brilliant things that you cannot contribute to. And if you did, mm. they'd laugh at you. Mm. You're not relevant anymore. And that's a very, very hard thing for people to take. Yeah, it's difficult. And there's nothing wrong with mourning it, you know. Just being realistic about it is fine. Yeah. You see it a lot in kids' sport, I think. My son plays football and I watch some of the dads and they're just actively living their life through their kids so much that it's just awful yeah it's really tragic to behold you know i think also you have to acknowledge the times that you live in so if you live in a time when property is really really expensive it's very very unlikely you're going to be able to buy a big property or if you are a bit too old to make that promotion it's not going to happen so there's nothing wrong with that you haven't done anything wrong no unless you voted tory i didn't vote tory so like you know that oh you fucked everything up if you did that yeah yeah (laughs) fucked it right up (laughs) i blame all of you and you know you can't there's nothing you can do. I do. I do like the bit in the book where you talk about festivals. Yeah. Because because uh, you were saying, oh, you know, people say that the festivals are for the young, but they're essentially set up for our age because yeah. they're expensive. We have the money. Yeah. yeah. They serve quinoa. Yeah. The, the yeah. pizzas are twenty quid, and they serve boutique beer, and they're like, yeah. well, who are these for? Yes, like, I really think that. There's a bit of kind of I don't know how you 
like young people are encouraged to be middle-aged and middle-aged people are encouraged to be young. So there's a kind of uh, like a, an assonance. It doesn't work. So the problem is that I think you look at all the, these young people and they're told to eat well, be healthy, settle down, buy a, buy a house, mm. get a great job. You know, and I and all which are middle-aged things, and they're told to do that in their twenties. Yeah. And then we're told, as as kind of middle-aged people, actually, you should know about that this this kind of music, and you should be wearing good trainers, and you should be going to festivals. And it doesn't that there aren't the lines drawn that there used to be, and that leads to anxiety. You know, there's a massive increase in anxiety, isn't there? And it just leads to anxiety because actually, when you're middle-aged, it is quite hard to keep on top of of music trends you know and it's quite hard to stay up late yeah yeah because you're a bit tired and actually in your 20s it's really hard to get the money to get a mortgage and to settle down because you don't even know people you know you don't know yourself in your 20s Mm. you know and you certainly don't know you're an idiot quite frankly chances are chances are you're a bit of an idiot i I know i was in my 20s yeah i didn't know a thing yeah and so to i you know the idea of getting married and settling down it's just she I used blame. to get her own nipples at parties. That was her party trick. Absolutely. That's a very good party trick. I blame property shows. I blame Kirsty and Phil. Well, I do. well, we blame them for everything. Yeah. That's I, do. Usual, usual I do. I do genuinely policy. think that. You know, you're just telling people that's what they should do. As, like, and I think you were saying correctly earlier about Saturday mornings as food shows and foods mm. being sexualised. And you see people in their 20s on their phone taking fucking photos of baguettes and not talking to each other and not going out having fags. They well, should be smoking. I've got a theory about all these. Think about all these things that people use in their kitchen. So, like, it's a spiralizer and the Nutribullet, which is made by... Magic bullet. It's just ecstasy names. Have oh. you taken a spiralizer? Because I, I heard they're great. <laughs> it's just I like, want one now. Oh yeah, god! It's yeah. just all the foodie stuff. Is what people used to be like about drugs, like obsessing yeah, yeah, about yeah. the right yeah. ingredients, and then you're going to get them all together on Friday night. You're going to have a great time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and you're going to really feel shots. it. Just yeah. do some poppers. Chill out. <laughs> what? Honestly, honestly. Oh well, there we are. There we are, young people. If you're listening right. to this. Go out, take some drugs, smoke yep. some fags, yep. have an inappropriate sexual liaison, yes. and worry about spiralising in ten years' time. Is that yes, what we're saying? Absolutely. And they're sure my children, in which case drugs are bad and they'll kill you. Never touch them. Never touch them. I certainly never did. Excellent. Just Good. in case my mother's listening as well. Okay. Oh well, that's book chat. I feel like yeah. it is. Now, can I give Miranda my my gift? Is um, it one of your special lucky bags? It is my oh, special nice. lucky bag. So I've read the book. And uh, a lot of uh, kids these days, when they do a story, they have a story sack. Yes, they do. And so I've made you a story sack for your <laughs> oh, book, Miranda. That is so lovely. <laughs> Great. Okay, so here we are. Peters. Oh, my God. Craig Lee's Bros. This is the front cover of Smash Hits when I was working there. And I love how this is pages 22 to 27. It took Matt and Nuke five pages to explain why Craig had left Bros. Yeah, of course it did. Yeah, oh, excuse me. It's a big deal. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Don't be yeah. sarky about yeah. it. Very important. Oh yeah. my god, Debbie Gibson. I used to no, tell no, no, people no. she was my cousin. Did she? Yeah. Can I just read my favourite sweet? Oh, time fantastic. We were actually. My daughter said, "What is your favourite sweet this morning?" And it is Saribo time fantastic. Anyway, I love them so much. I like them because they're so sour that children don't like them. So yeah. you can just yeah. eat the whole packet. Oh, oh, I eat them. I eat the whole packet of an evening, and it's like a drug rush for me these days. <laughs> <laughs> That's how sad I am. That is that is a house. It looks like it's on fire. That's right. That's my flat on fire. Oh, little model it's house. It's a, uh, a little cube. Yes, of a house. that's your Clapham house. That's burning down. down. To remind someone of a house fire. Now, taxi cab. I used to have a taxi, and I drove round Europe in my taxi and slept in the back. <gasps> wow, it's great. And then I sold it to a photographer. <laughs> at the at the NME for I can't remember not very much and he drove it down to the south of Spain and swapped it for a bag of E <laughs> <laughs> excellent yeah. I once sent a friend a pink cowboy hat and he swapped it for a bag of ketamine so. <laughs> it's nice isn't it <laughs> 
<laughs> Where's my cowboy hat, Johnny? Uh, I've got some ketamine. That's, that and here that. is finally, I've been acknowledged, it is my medal with 414th on it because I ran a park run and there was 418 people in it and I came 414th. Well, and no one gave me a medal. I know, I know. That was only because the other four died. But, you know. <laughs> that is a really lovely present. I am super chuffed. Thank you very You're much. You're very welcome, Loren Sawyer. Let's finish off then with our scummy mummy confessions. Have you got one for us this week, Helen? Um, well, should I just say that I was in the hospital on Friday? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Thursday night, uh, Thursday night, Ellie and I did an hour and a half show in Hampstead. And that morning I'd been throwing up. And I was like, oh, I'm all right. I'm fine. Uh, and then, yeah, ended up in hospital and had my appendix yanked out of me. Um, and, yeah, and then got to have lots of morphine, which was really, really lovely. And do you feel... Um, I've not had my appendix out. Have you, do you feel kind of completely fine now? No, I'm in a lot of uh, abdominal pain. Oh. Yeah, she's just very brave. I mean, I drove her to Hampstead and back and did a whole show with her on Thursday. And she was, you know, she was something was up, but she really did not go on about it. Uh, she did at one point say to me do you think it's appendicitis and I said well I've had my appendix out is it on one side and she said no the pain's all over and I went oh it's fine mate it's probably a coil so <laughs> Dr Ellie <laughs> Dr Ellie just, strikes again I just thought I had trapped wind that's alright that's what I, I thought I had but um, but yeah I got to have what was a highlight was got to have morphine given to me by one of those squirty syringes yeah. I know I think I was I think I was just starting to lose it a bit when the name the, the first came in I said hello my opiate angel (laughs) Miranda do you have a scummy mummy confession Uh, uh, yeah kind of I suppose my son went on his uh, a camping trip with uh, his school last week so Monday to Friday and obviously we missed him and stuff like that but I didn't miss him enough to cancel a trip to Venice with my two best mates (laughs) so I went to Venice on the Thursday so I wasn't there to cherish his little face as he got off the bus You were too busy having spritz on the canal. Yeah, I was literally drinking Aperol spritz. It was great. And then got back, yeah, got back later. Oh, well, I think we've come to the end of the podcast. There we have. Thank you, Miranda Sawyer, for coming too. It was super great. Thank you very much. That huge stretch that you drove today. Yeah, it was (laughs) my ages. South London to South London. (laughs) Yeah. Now, your book is out. Oh, yes. Okay. Plugging bit. It's out June 30th. It's called Out of Time. And it's about, there's a sub, they wanted to do a sub bit, so it goes, out of time, midlife, if you still think you're young. Oh. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, well, thank you. And everyone should buy it. It's excellent. It's re- whether you're on drugs or not. I yeah. Do and also, you were far too young to read it. But it's just going to prepare you for the dip in yeah. the 40s. Yeah. No, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm going to be all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, as always, for listening to the podcast. And um, please uh, follow us on Twitter, at Scummy Mummies, or on Instagram and Facebook, and we're on iTunes if you want to leave us a review. And we're doing Camp Festival this year, aren't we? Ooh. We are. We're going to be in the Guardian tent for the third year in the row. Yeah. And we're doing a Saturday night with DJ Sarah Cox yes. called The Secret Mummy's Wine Club. So we'll be doing comedy yeah. as will the Sarah Cox and we'll be drinking wine. With, with the lovely Helen McGinn who is uh, That's the right. Mother's Wine Club lady. So come on down. And Banana Rama's going to be there. So no way. I know. Yeah. We're going to try and get them on the podcast. Oh, they're, they're That's a my real promise. hoot. They're, they're proper hoot. Hysterical. Yeah. That's yeah, brilliant. That's yeah. Um, have you so, got their phone number? No, I oh. haven't. I failed you there. Oh, well, never mind. We'll take Grace Jones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Miranda, you've been a brilliant guest. Thank it's so, you so nice much for to, come, to be asked and to come. It's so super great. And oh. I get tank fastics. I'm so chuffed. You are very welcome. Until next time. Bye. 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 
you're always all right in the end. That's my advice. Exactly. <laughs> Unless you are dead. But hopefully there's many years to go. I'll cut this bit out. It's just weird. It's weird. I don't know where it was going. It started as a joke and then it went weird. It doesn't matter. Um, okay. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.